Hey, 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 good people. How are you? I hope you were having a fabulous day, evening, whenever you decide to download. And thank you so much for downloading. We certainly appreciate your love and support. It is your friend, Rashawn Ali, excited about our next episode of the Cool Sore Podcast with another finer woman of Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated. But before we introduce you to her, I have to tell you about my Cool Soror. My best friend, Jen Price, she is the visionary behind the Atlanta Beer Boutique. And she's doing something very special coming up next Tuesday, April the 10th. So if you are in Atlanta, we need for you to come on out to Arches Brewing next Tuesday, April the 10th. That's located at 3361 Dogwood Drive in Hapeville. She is kicking off her Kickstarter campaign That's right. It is our goal to raise $25,000 so that she can get the seed funding that she needs to open her boutique, the Atlanta Beer Boutique. So we need your support. We would love for you to come on out from 7 to 9 next Tuesday. I'll be hosting it, but and I'll give you the link where you can donate $5, $10, $20, whatever. We need your support. And if you would like to hear about Jen's dream, she was also a guest here on the Cool Sword podcast. Uh, make sure you go back and listen to her episode. Her name is Jen Price. She's my BFF since 1989. So please, please, please support my sister. Um, it is all of our responsibility to support each other in our efforts. And I would hope that you would support me and my best friend in this effort. I love her so much. Can you tell? Yes, I love all my cool sores, whatever. So we're to you are in. That's what the Cool Sore Podcast is all about. So let's continue to support each other. And speaking of support, this woman, May Whiteside, has truly done some incredible work. She's a civil engineer who, with $10,000 in 2010, left her job where she was being paid $75,000 a year to become a STEM entrepreneur. Not only that, she experienced homelessness from the time she was 10 to well into her college years. But she did not let that deter her from being the woman that God has called her to be. Ooh, this is so inspiring. Love 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 this episode with may c whiteside and it is called i bet on myself in joy because i know you will you know you gotta be a cool soror to talk to the cool soror herself i'm a cool soror hey y'all i am a cool soror of what's up y'all i'm a cool soror of I am a cool soror. It's the Cool Soror Podcast, hosted by me, Rashawn Ali. It is another edition of the Cool Soror Podcast, and after several attempts to make this connection, we have finally <laughs> made the connection. May C. Whiteside joins the Cool Soror Podcast. She's the president and CEO of CKL Engineers. I'm so happy to have you on the show. And May, you are a cool soror of... 
Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated. Welcome to the show, Miss Whiteside. How are you? I am doing splendid this afternoon. Good. We're, we're just really excited to have you uh, a part of the show and tell everybody your story. And let me tell you, this is about to be so I'm really excited to learn more about um, all that you have done and all you are doing in the STEM world. But I want to take it all the way back. You are from the shy. I love Chicago, first of all. And y'all are just some cool people. Y'all shop, as Selena Johnson would say. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, we are. I mean, we, we're all about, um, you know, surviving. Uh, you hear a lot of stories about people in Chicago just surviving. And uh, we, we, we do just that. And, but we're true to our Southern roots. Many, many black folks here in Chicago, we're from the South. Mm -hmm. Our first, uh, actually my mom and on back, we're all from Arkansas. Mm -hmm. And so the family relocated, you know, they, they learned of like the dreams of how the big city is gonna get you, um, property and jobs and when they got here to Chicago it, it wasn't quite like that <laughs> right right so from what your from what your family told you at that at that point what was it like when they got there uh when they got here uh the opportunity wasn't all what it seemed in fact uh they encountered a lot of racism here in Chicago and, and as you know it's the most segregated city in in the United States. Uh, so, you know, they basically ended up in poverty and that poverty persisted all the way down to my own mother. Mm -hmm. So uh, I grew up in public housing. Um, people see public housing on good times and it was, it was exactly that, what you saw. Wow. It was a family unit, except uh, in our case, it was just my mom and my big sister. Okay. And we both uh, lived uh, in what we call the low end. In Chicago, those that are, you know, from Chicago are listening, they know exactly what that term terminology means. And the low end is pretty much Garfield, the street Garfield or 55th Street, uh, south to some unknown line around 18th. <laughs> wow. But we called it the low end. And the low end um, consisted of a community called Bronzeville. But more importantly, the low end had a lot of housing projects. Robert Taylor Homes, Ickes, Hillard Homes, Prairie Courts, Dearborn Homes. And in fact, I grew up in two of the public housing projects in Chicago. Wow. So how did you um, break the cycle? And then especially something being called the low end, do you think that that had like a, a negative connotation being that it was called the low end or was it geographical? You know, the low end, uh, it was pretty much a geographical okay. thing uh, because, you know, you got the far south side, you got the west side, you got the north side, you got the, the east side. So the low end was pretty much the area just central south of downtown before you really got out okay. far. Okay. So geographically it was it was pretty much that. But the low end, we, we just referred it to the numbers that were <laughs> Okay, gotcha. All right. I just wanted to you know, I just wanted to further clarify because people when they think of that, if they don't know, they could automatically go to you know, the low end. You know how it, that could be something that's taken out of context. Yep. 
Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, you know, you, you speak up about your mother and a part of your, your story is that you all encountered uh, homelessness. And um, this is something that you, you dealt with at, at, at a young age and even into, into your, your teens, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming. Tell me a little bit more about that. So we were put out of Chicago Housing Authority. I mean, I came home from school one day. I was in third grade. I came home and I, you know, I took the stairs because, you know, I was afraid of the elevators in public housing. In fact, the cousin and I, we, we fell down in an elevator and um, I'm okay. I, I walk with, <laughs> but we survived it. Um, My goodness. So, yeah, we were, we got on the elevator and it slipped and slipped a few flights and then it, it had a mind of its own and it flew up and then it flew down. It was mm-hmm. kind of a bad situation. How old were you then? Uh, eight. Eight years eight. old. In an elevator that slipped a few flights. Mm. Uh, so I came home one day from school and I went up to the apartment. You know, we lived on the 10th floor. I put the key through the door and the the lock didn't turn. I'm like, well, what, what happened to the, what happened to the key? You know, did I, did I pull out the wrong key or I looked through the window and I saw no furniture. It was just vacant. And it was a guy pointing me in the other direction saying, you don't live here anymore. Right. That was the first time I experienced uh, homelessness uh, at the age of 10. We ended up living in about five or six homeless shelters from the ages of 10 years old through 16. Mm -hmm. My mom, she just couldn't, she couldn't find her way. And, you know, we, we just ended up down on our luck a whole lot. Yeah. How did you keep, um, I, I guess a level head through all of this and not, you know, allow your life to be, uh, you know, in this cyclical place because you could have, it could have very well ended like that for you. What kept you on the straight and narrow? My mother, actually, Mm. she, she was the few women that I knew that could go through all of this, keep up her typing skills uh, at the Chicago Public Library throughout our homelessness because she wanted to make sure that she got a job. Yeah, It's kind of hard to get a call back when there's no phone number working on the other end. Mm-hmm. So um, she instilled in me, you know, keep going to school, get your education. And so that stuck with me. And plus she was, you know, she would have kicked my butt yeah. had I gave up even though we were, you know, displaced so much. Right. Yeah. When did when did you all find some some sense of stability? When I was about 16 years old, okay. we ended up living on the southern end of a community called Inglewood. OK. And um, we we lived in a for the for the majority what my mom could afford all the time was like a studio apartment. Mm-hmm. And uh, we moved to the southern end of uh, Inglewood. We was in a small, tiny uh one bedroom apartment. It was surprisingly, we got into a one bedroom apartment. That was the first time I actually, you know, felt like let's, let's, let's finish my education. Yes. Let me, let me get, let me get this college degree because I could make a difference with that degree uh, and also take care of myself. So I wouldn't be in the same cycle 
of not having the opportunity to work and earn a living. Yeah. Were you always interested in, in science and technology? Uh, did you know you had a gift early on? And did your mother see that gift as well? She did. And in fact, she kind of started it, uh, by the way, right before all of the homelessness started. My mom had these biology books. Wow. And she kind of let it, you know, sit out on the table and there was always a book on the couch and I would pick up these books and I would see like different like cell tissues. There would be, you know, just all about the human body, how to have a baby. So I'm just, I'm just glued to it. Like it was a TV set. Mm -hmm. I'm like, wow, this is intriguing that I could read about what our eyes look like, you know, (laughs) the back of the eye, the front of the eye. I started looking at all this medical stuff because she was studying biology. So I got to learn about, you know, the process of having a kid. (laughs) Uh (laughs) You shouldn't have read that. (laughs) So it it never really left. And so from there, I started looking at astronomy. And then my mom um, would take me to the Museum of Science and Industry. You know, Mm -hmm. she would get bored and she'd say, hey, let's go to the Museum of Science and Industry. You walk into that huge building and they, they've got these the coal mines, those from Chicago that have ever been to the Museum of Science and Industry. Yes, you know yes. what I'm talking about. Right. I learned about old streets and uh, the planetarium. And I learned about, you know, they've got like in the stairwell. Mm-hmm. I forget if it was the yellow stairs or the green stairs or the blue stairs, but they got like dissected parts of a human body so you can like see through you know it's encased in glass but you can actually see like the veins and like what would used to be the veins the skeletal stuff and it and it had like uh, descriptions of what you saw and all of that stuff that that museum really helped me define exactly what I wanted to be and that was a scientist wow that is so great and when you look back on it um <laughs> Your mother, no matter the hardship, she was planting seeds in your life with these books. Yes. Yeah. She- How when you look back on that? Um, because I know, and we'll get into the. You know, um, I know she's no longer with us, but how does that make you feel to know that though that she was planting those seeds and you may not even you know could have gathered that even that whole concept then. You know, I'm so I'm so proud of her. Yeah, I, I'm proud of the fact that she didn't let being a single parent stop her from loving us. She didn't let the absence of a man's presence uh, stop her from giving all the attention she could give to her kids. You know, mm-hmm. she made sure that I was a well balanced young woman, and my sister was well balanced and she made sure that, you know, she kissed us, she hugged us, she played cards with us, she played music with us. Uh, you know, she was one of those Southern women that cooked and, mm-hmm. you know, made sure that we were a part of everything that she did. Yeah. She put so much into me. I'm I'm so proud of her. Even though she's been gone over 20 years, I'm so proud. I'm proud of her today. Yeah. 
goodness. I know that. I know that she is so proud of you. Now, tell me about, you know, when did she pass and where were you in your, were you in your, were you in college at the time when she passed? Yes. Uh, in fact, I was, uh, it was the summer of 1996. Okay. Chicago had this bad heat wave. They, they, I don't know if you remember the reports, but back in the late nineties, Chicago was going through some heat waves Mm -hmm. and she, uh, contracted, uh, or she was, she ended up being diagnosed with congestive heart issues. Wow. And, uh, she passed away in the middle of the night. Now I didn't know this. I was sleeping in a in a cot across from her, mm-hmm. and I guess the first couple hours before I woke up, I was sleeping in the same room with my mom who had passed away. Wow. And uh, it was hot. I know I woke up. It was hot, and something told me that it was like in a little voice. Something told me, you know, she she's dead. Mm-hmm. I had no idea why I thought that about my mother. And um, I woke up and uh, I saw that she had passed away and I tried to help her. But, you know, things had set in and she was just been she had been gone for so long in the middle of the night. When I woke up, it was too late. And, um, you know, she was just she was DOA. It was nothing that I could do. I couldn't I couldn't holler. I couldn't talk. I couldn't move her legs. I couldn't do anything. Yeah. So, yeah. Because it was so sudden, how how do you or how did you deal with your grief? Uh, you know, I, I I went on to school like I, I buried her and I moved on. I moved on to campus because I, I when, when she passed away, I didn't have anywhere to live. Mm-hmm. So I was back, you know, I was used to being homeless. I'm like, I got it. I'll just go to school and ask them if they got some, you know, like an apartment or if they got like a dorm room that I can get in. And uh, when I told them the situation, they they let me uh, move on campus. But um, when I moved on campus, I I resumed my junior year at Illinois Institute of Technology. And uh, I failed that whole first semester. Everything was a D. Wow. Wow flunked everything. I, I thought, I mean, I, I hit my grief and, you know, I, I just assumed the position of being strong because, you know, from Chicago, you know, we, we kind of, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. We, we some strong people. Absolutely. You know? And Selena calls her, I know I've, I've referenced her a lot, but like that's yeah. my Chicago sister. She's like, I'm a thug. I'm a thug. I'm not going to cry. <laughs> Man, you, you don't cry. I mean, you, you just thug that out until you just can't thug it out no right, more. Right, right. Uh, yeah, I, I bombed every, I had like five engineering classes. I bombed every single one and had to do a repeat. So I was a sophomore for a long time. Right. <laughs> I put it that way. Yeah. Um, how did you come out? How did you, um, how did you rebound from that? If you can say rebound, because you never truly get over it. I guess you accept it. Um, I haven't lost a parent, so I don't know that feeling. But I can yeah. only assume that you just learned to to deal with it. Well, how I dealt with it is I um, resorted back to my survival days. Mm-hmm. When when you're just when you just gotta survive, you just have to put the grief to the side, and you gotta figure out where you're gonna live. Because once you graduate from college, there will be no place for you to go to. Yeah. Um, so I I just kept I just kept my head on straight, and I. I had a goal and I focused on it and 
I didn't let the grief or the absence of a place to stay uh, stop the fact that <laughs> you still need a job. You need income. Yes. <laughs> you know, and you'll deal with it later. So you just kept pressing. You kept, kept pressing. And, yes. and, then, and then having been homeless and going living through housing, you know, Chicago Housing Authority and all that, you, you just become independent. Mm-hmm. There's just no other way. So yeah. I had it in me anyway to be kind of independent and on my own. Yeah. So. Man, so in 1999, you graduated with your Bachelor of Science in Civil Engineering from Illinois Institute of Technology. What was that day like for you? Was it bittersweet? I was so glad to graduate. (laughs) (laughs) It was was only uh, two other black girls in my civil engineering graduating class. Man, two Uh, other black girls. Just two. 1999. This was before. Oh, we got to increase diversity of women in color and STEM. And yeah. oh, we got to, you know, get more African-American girls into engineering, science, technology and math. I was before all of that. Yeah. Know? Were you before actual the STEM acronym? Were you before that? Yeah. Wow. Uh, I don't know when that, but the popularity yeah. of STEM and and the need for diversity and inclusion in STEM. Mm-hmm. I graduated before that became a thing. You right. Know? So um, I was excited. I jumped up and down all over the place. I was glad to be done with that $80,000 debt. You ooh, know? ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> so what was your first job to try to knock that debt down? <laughs> oh, my God. Um my first job, I worked for a couple of weeks with this brother who I still keep in touch with today. He had a small consulting company. He did painting. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. I went to work on for the famous Paul King. Mm-hmm. Paul King had a general construction company called UBM. I never forgot that. I'd, I'd never seen an African-American contractor that leased an entire top floor of a building. Wow. Um, having construction of concrete structures and architecture and all that stuff. I had never seen anything like it. So that was my very first uh, job. What was that experience like for you um, sitting there and seeing someone who looked like you doing these outstanding things? Do you think that that set the precedent for you and where you are now? It did. In fact, fact, his, his business model what he did and how he included his his employees and senior staff in after work events, and he he included us in the social fabric of the city. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't get that at, at any other company. Right. So, how long did you stay at this particular uh, job? I stayed there for one year. One year. <laughs> okay. Actually, I'll tell you this. Okay. It was almost <laughs> 15 years ago and today if he if Mr. Paul King sees me on the sidewalk you were the one from IIT that quit me <laughs> yes yeah you were from IIT that quit me and you went to work for that German company I said yes I did oh sir. wow what do you in retrospect was that a good move for you when you did leave actually you know it was okay um, I got a chance to I've never been to Germany Ever. You're talking about, you know, somebody from the inner city that's never been (laughs) 
to the north side of the city and I'm on a flight to Germany for right. two weeks wow. studying with that crew about form work and shoring for like concrete high rises because that's all they did was they were like the Mercedes Benz of like concrete form work and shoring. Mm -hmm. So I got mm -hmm. to learn how to apply different types of form work for retaining walls and columns and floors and you know, as you're able to design these con concrete formwork structures, you know, you can you could do a, a model floor and fly it up eight flights and the contractor could just speed through construction of a high rise quickly with that formwork design. Wow. So you so OK, so you're doing you're doing all of this. How long did you stay with this company? <laughs> one year. What, look at look at here now. This one year stuff now. I did one year at the German company. Uh -huh. um, you know, I, when you are a, an engineer right out of school, you know, we have to go to the board and we have to pass our exams like the EIT and the professional engineering uh, exam. And that office did not have a lead PE in that office. Everything was on the, was the, all the contacts you needed was in Baltimore, Maryland. So basically their Chicago office just had about five or six overworked engineers and the sales guy. Uh -huh. There was no mentoring of any kind. And I needed that. Yeah. So one of the girls, one of the, now remember earlier in the conversation, it was only three of us that graduated from the civil engineering department at IIT. Mm -hmm. uh, she, she suggested, Hey, why don't you uh, join me at Chicago department of transportation? I said, well, you know, I've never did transportation. Okay. Let's, let's try it out. I had a ball and I stayed there for six years. There you go. There's some longevity. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in civil engineering, you got, you got to kind of move around. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's some stuff you, 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 you'll learn it. You don't like, don't want to do. <laughs> you'll do that. You'll learn that quickly. <laughs> you'll learn you did. it immediately. Yeah. Immediately. Okay. So you were here six years and is this, is this the job that you left to start CKL? It was the very first step in leaving um, government contracting to become an entrepreneur. Ooh. It was. All right, that was 2010. You had 10 grand in your pocket and you quit a $75,000 uh per year job to become a STEM entrepreneur. Who thought you were crazy? Uh my sister. <laughs> <laughs> you left this job but but she supported me. Right. And um I quit that job like a boss, like I'm ready. <laughs> Yeah. What hey, was I, what was that thing you felt inside that you knew you had a greater calling on your life? I wanted to do more than just sign in, do the work and clock out. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I felt like with civil engineering, I could really take this major and this opportunity. Because remember, civil engineers, we build communities. Right. Um, and then and specifically in transportation, when you're building new roads and new highways and new streets, you're unlocking the economic opportunity and the potential of a community to change. Mm -hmm. So as you're building new streets and new, new highways and like that, you start to create these local economies. 
Now remember, in Chicago Housing Authority, there was no economy around there. <laughs> right, right. There was no, no economy of any kind. Um, but when you start to provide these uh, transportation opportunities, you just completely unlock the economic potential of an entire community. And that, that was the thing I wanted to do. And I felt that my gift as a, as a person of color who had great community interest in seeing in communities change for the better, I wanted to marry those two yeah. in, in my own terms and in my own way. Right. But you didn't get your first contract until two years into this. That's the part I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> how did you survive? How did you make it? What you, you, that's all you knew how to do is to make it. But how did you survive those two years? Uh, let's see. I had, I borrowed a lot of money from, uh, family members, from Mm -hmm. cousins, from friends, people I graduated from college with, um, new friends. I met, uh, an awesome gentleman who, who owned a couple of clubs around the city Uh and, you know, he loaned me $40 here, $40 there. Wow. (laughs) Gas in the car, you know, and, you know, I, I was a proud Mary, you know, I wanted to do it on my own. So I, I, I didn't resort to other ways. I kept it clean. I kept it straight up mm-hmm. and, and I, I roughed it out. Food yeah. stamps. I had a, I had a caseworker. I was on public aid. I had a caseworker and everything. I understand. I, I t- truly understand. What was it that kept you going? You knew that it was, here's, here's the question. What prevented you from giving up? Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse one, Hebrews chapter 11, verse one. It was by faith. Yeah. By faith. They kept you going. Kept me going. I never, I never left my biblical roots Mm -hmm. ever. The first contract. Did you cry? Uh, you know, I wanted to, but I was so hungry. <laughs> You're like, Let's get this work done. We got to do a good job. I need this money. That, that's all I did. I, <laughs> I, I didn't even think about it. I, I said, you know what? I, I, all I got to do is wait these four or five months to get paid because that's how long the city took to pay you. And, uh, you know, I was I was fortunate because the first company I've ever worked with uh, is an awesome company called HDR. And they had a, <laughs> they probably would kill me if I say this, but they had to, they had to front a couple of invoices a few times okay. because of the lengthy process it took to get paid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I didn't have to start too much, but I was so hungry. I, you know, <laughs> when you completed that first job, um, I, I just want to know when did you, when did you celebrate yourself? Like, when did you say, okay, it's okay for me to celebrate this now because you've been through so much. When did you give yourself some balloons? After the third job. Third job. Okay. I, I didn't think I was worthy of that until I secured multiple contracts to keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, did I celebrate that first one? Oh, yeah. I went down to Chicago Cut Steakhouse and I got. <laughs> I got some high end steak, you know. Yeah. Let me but, get that ribeye. Oh, <laughs> uh, that, that was the first thing I ordered was a big juicy, uh, but well done ribeye yeah. steak. Yes. 
you know. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's great. That's fantastic. But the third contract, and what was that third contract um, that you secured? Uh, the third contract, so the, the first one was uh, US 41 on uh, Lakeshore Drive. The second one was some underground sewer work. And I think that third one, it was a design project mm-hmm. when I mm-hmm. hired my first design engineer. And I said, okay, we get into design because primarily all I had done uh, was construction engineering and management. Mm-hmm. And that is overseeing, you're the guy or the girl overseeing a huge contract um, where contractors are building streets and sidewalks and curb and gutter, underground utilities, relocating plants and trees and all that. This time I had the chance to employ an engineer who's going to prepare contract plans and specs in order to do so. So this is my first foray into design and I was excited like yeah, right. I'm doing full service, you yeah. know, I'm not I'm not just doing phase 3, I'm actually doing phase 2 and hopefully get into some planning work which we call it engineering phase 1. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's that that was the slice right there because that was the biggest project that yielded an award from the American Council of Engineering Companies. That's when I got that got that award as a recent because the entire I-90 corridor, the Jane Adams uh, corridor, had received an Engineering Excellence Award, and now it went on to win a national. Wow. So that that was the project that really set me up for design work. That is that's so good. So do do you ever just kind of sit back while you're sitting in your office and and you're like I cannot believe that this all worked out for me or were you just that Hebrews 11 and one still comes up in your mind every time it comes up every time. Now, mm-hmm. I, as, as I look at all the awards that we got sitting around, you know, I've got awards from the national society of black engineers, from the Hispanic association, from uh, American council of engineering companies and others that, you know, I, you know, I I do jump up. I'm, I'm not gonna lie about it. <laughs> yeah, and you should. It's okay. <laughs> That's fantastic. I'm happy that you do. I'm happy that you do. So now you're one of Chicago's leading African American woman-owned engineering and management firms. Like you, you you're rolling. You, you're doing you're doing the thing, sis. You're doing your thing. How proud of you? Or how how what do you think your mother would say? If she were here, glory to God. Mm-hmm. Because you, baby girl, you broke that cycle. Yes. You didn't have to beg, and I mean, my mother was a proud woman. She didn't beg for anything, uh, but what she wanted so much was for me to be okay. Yeah. Simple thought of being okay. She, she, you know, she'd be clapping on the front lines. Yes. And she continues to motivate you even in her physical ab- absence, I'm assuming. Yes. Yes. That's great. That is absolutely wonderful. Another wonderful thing is that you became a member of Zeta Phi Beta in 2000. Now, did Zeta Phi Beta choose you or did you choose Zeta Phi Beta? I chose Zeta Phi Beta. Tell me all about it. So, okay, so this awesome sisterhood uh, helped me with 
sharing and all that stuff. Now, I have an older sister who, of course, when, you know, when she turned 18, she, you know, moved on and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But but Zeta provided sisters. I have I'm very close to my line sisters. I mean, when I had when I had my little boy Cody, well, he's 15 now, so I can't, I can't <laughs> he's, he's a little grown man now. <laughs> they threw me a baby shower, and I was like, "This is so awesome!" Mm-hmm. You know, like just the physical presence of a sister, right? even though they came in, you know, 15, 20 years later, mm-hmm. you know, down my life, that you know, I finally knew what it felt to have sisters. Yeah. So you say you're very, very close to your line sisters. Are you close to your own sister? I am. Okay. My my sister, uh, my big sister, uh, she, we, we do a lot of stuff together. Okay. You know, we can talk about things I can't really talk about to anybody else uh-huh. because we both share the same thing. So we, we tight like glue. Okay. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. And I know your, you know, your goal now is to to make um, your uh, company a nationwide name. Uh, what are you doing to make sure those efforts come to fruition? Well, being being a nationwide uh, name takes a lot of hustle, and for me. I want to start with just getting CKL known as a household name. Yeah. That was the biggest thing for me. I want other black girls to see me as an, as a, an image of success Mm -hmm. that I can go to college. I can get a degree in engineering or science or veterinarian science or whatever they want and be able to make this into an entrepreneurship that inspires people and communities across the world. That I mean, that's the first thing you think about. So the steps that I'm looking forward to <clears throat> making is joining associations that have impact in that local state and start to network. One thing about um, entrepreneurs is the ability to network. You got to network high, yeah. you know, you and you got to be strategic about who you network with that can make those decisions um, that that you can uh, count on to make some moves for you so that you are successful. And it, and it is what it is. You have to make some friends. So <clears throat> in doing so, I keep the relationships that I've made here in Chicago with the companies here that have branches in other states. And so I talk to them about, hey, I'm looking forward to you know, like I'm in Illinois, I like to open up an Indiana branch because I know they have a a shortage of um, African-American owned firms providing the same services I'm currently doing now. So, you know, we like to brainstorm and work together. Okay, so now I got Indiana down. So let's talk about Missouri. Let's talk about Texas. Let's talk about how I can help you in Nevada. So that's the kind of nationwide reach that happens when you're working with companies that have a nationwide reach. That's awesome. I'm glad that you're doing that. And I'm glad that, you know, you're kind of you're setting the tone for so many other uh, not only um, black women, just women in general to be able to be at the forefront of, of STEM. Um, And I'm glad you're doing that. My daughter has been in robotics for the last three years. She started in elementary and now she moves to a new move to a new middle school and she's in robotics now. And I love that. She loves it. I didn't have to force her. 
she actually mm-hmm. loves robotics. What would you say to a young Bailey who's 11 years old about staying the course in STEM? Keep playing. Mm-hmm. Keep exploring. Um, you may have built a car today, you know, in a very small, you know, like you might build like a little car or you might be able to build the next Tesla. Yes. Keep playing with those toys. Keep playing in science. Keep your interest up. Um, have some good friends of yours that still like this stuff. Keep just keep playing. Science is fun. It's it's it challenges you challenges you to think in multiple ways. Yes. It causes you to be creative, and you have so much introspect. Just keep playing. Yeah. And then maybe one day you are the CEO of that company. And that's why I want to have black girls to think it's okay to work for others. I've no, I did it for 15 years before I started CKL engineers, but you can be the CEO of your, of your, of your company easily, mm-hmm. easily. It just, what do you want to do? What type of impact do you want to make with your skill sets, with your company? Is it to, create a whole new center surrounding by surrounding uh, STEM activities? Do you want to start a STEM high school? Do you want to have a, um, you want to start a scholarship? Do you, what do you want to do with that? For me, I'm hoping that next year that I have um, a scholarship at the Illinois Institute of Technology in my name yes. for, tw- for $25,000. That's my goal. And I, and I know you will achieve that because <laughs> you don't, you don't take no for an answer. <laughs> I I know that after 30 minutes of knowing you, you don't take no for an answer. I just, I, I could, am I right? Yeah, you are correct. Yeah. And one thing in engineering, there are so many people that will try to make you play small. Yeah. Screw that. You yeah. are you are a dynamic person that deserves every opportunity that is out there and you go out and get it. Yeah. People that want to get in your way, they're just an obstacle. Swat them off to the side. They just, they, they don't feel comfortable by your moves, but that's on them. Do you, yes. and don't let anybody define what your success should look like for you. Ooh. When Cody looks at his mother, what do you want him to think? I'm scared of her. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a I minute. Today. <laughs> <laughs> See, I was trying to be sentimental. You like, I'm scared of her. <laughs> I was trying to give you a moment. You like, no, uh-uh, this is what it is. <laughs> you know, he, he's tickled by this whole thing. So <laughs> he's excited that <clears throat> actually he's kind of, He's like, I'm really glad this worked out because he went through the poor trenches with me. Yes. See, he he's not used to, you know, having to live on the street or nothing like that. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, one day mama stopped going to work. He like, OK, <laughs> what are we doing now? <laughs> what are we going to do? Yeah. So he's excited. He's glad that it worked out. Uh, he actually helps me with the business. He looks things up on the Internet for me. He sends me memos. That brother is, he's amazing. He's 15 years old and he's just amazing. And don't you feel good that you are instilling in him that entrepreneurial spirit though? 
yeah, yeah. he he wants to do it. Yeah. Um, I told him that at some point I'm going to pass this company to you. And he's like, I, okay. Yeah. But this is the beginning of how you, um, you know, solidify that generational wealth. Look, it's starting with you. You broke the cycle and now you can. This is what black folks need to do. Hand their businesses off to their children. And so he can hand it off to his children and his grandchildren. You know what you're doing, man. You know what you're doing, don't you? Yeah, I'm working on it. That is fantastic. This this has been truly enjoyable and to get to know you better and to, to know a real woman in STEM who is leading the way in civil engineering, design, and so many other things. When you bid for those contracts and you win, can you just tell me how you feel? What's that feeling like? You know, <laughs> Uh-oh. the feeling is... Since you really can't shout from the mountaintops because, you know, Chicago don't have any mountains. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I feel good. I feel good. I, I, I feel that, you know, people respect what we do at CKL, that people want to work with our engineers, that they want to work with me. Um, it, re- it, it reaffirms that people like the way I do business. Yes. They want to do business with me. I, I don't have any hidden motives. I want to work. I want to work with my own hands. I'm still old school. I I work on projects to this day. Um, And people respect the fact that I check in, that I know what's going on with our staff and how can I improve my services? Yeah. Yeah. How many people do you employ right now? I have 12. Come through 12 employees. I have 12 disciples. Yes, I do. Oh (laughs) my gosh. I have 12 awesome, well-rounded engineers that hail from different parts of the state of Illinois and abroad. And they're at the top of the field and people really look for them. When we propose on projects, clients ask for certain engineers because they know the delivery of our engineers. I look for quality and not I'm not a body shop, you know, like, oh, here's a project and let me throw 20 people at you. No, I want to make sure I got 20 of the right people. Yes. Man, May, let me tell you something about you. Come with it. Let me tell you something about you. You hear me? (laughs) (laughs) This is great. I mean, from homeless. Yes. To employing 12 people. To landing contracts, to yes. to doing it your way, to breaking the cycle, to generational wealth, I just need you to yes. celebrate yourself. I just do, and I hope that you take the time to say, you know what, I'm doing this. I need you to do that. Do that for me. I will. Yes, I will. You have, an, you have an amazing story, and I hope that people who are listening in the Cool Sore Collective are inspired by your story because nothing held you back when so many things could have. Man, when I tell you things like, you know, the sexism in our industry, mm-hmm. the, the racism in our industry, the marginalism that happens in Chicago, you, 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 it makes you tough. It makes you, 
you you will fight for yourself. You won't let anyone push you over. That's one thing. I see right through things. But, you know, at the end of the day, I took a risk. I was so used to betting on myself that who else do I have to bet on? Yes. And, you know, it's just a, a thing of just not giving up. Like you can't give up just because someone said no. There's a yes right around the corner. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm so glad that you took a chance and you bet on yourself in 2010 and not landing your first contract in 2012 to now having a flourishing company. And I, I mean, let me just say, I, I, I know your mother is happy. I know so many of your ancestors before you are just happy that you are doing this amazing work. And it's just been a pleasure to talk to you so that you can tell your story to our listeners today. I appreciate you, May. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. You are so welcome. How can people find you? And, uh, you know, hey, if they want you to do some work for them, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, You can get in touch with me through uh, LinkedIn, uh, May C. Whiteside PE on LinkedIn as well as Twitter. My company is CKL Engineers LLC. We're on Twitter and we're both on Instagram. Yes, good, good. And before I let you go, what is your definition of cool? Definition of cool. Oh man, I didn't think about that. Uh, (laughs) Being yourself and betting on yourself and believing in yourself that's my definition of cool. And you did just that. You bet on yourself. And bet guess what? Yourself. You won. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> you won, May. You won. And, I, and I'm so happy uh, to, to see you flourish and um, continue success to you, sis. I hope I hope you guys get to see more of me. I'm working on I'm working on a little something, something. I got like a little tv project okay can you okay well you just let me know when you want to come back on and tell everybody about this project now oh you guys gonna love it okay that's what i love love awesome awesome may whiteside everybody my name is may whiteside and i am the president and ceo of ckl and i am a cool soror of zeta phi beta sorority incorporated (laughs) 